Live. This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which is New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Got a good show for you this week. We got another two-episode week in the hopper here because the playoffs start on Tuesday in Major League Baseball. Yankees are in the wild card game against the Red Sox. I don't want you to wait for that coverage, so I'm going to be joined in just a bit by SMY's Anthony McCarron. We're going to break down the AL wild card game, the playoff picture. A little bit talk at the end there as well about what could be in line for them going forward. That is coming up end the podcast in just a bit. Make sure you're locking in the show for this two-minute drill where I get to talk about the Jets, and they picked up a win. Zach Wilson looked really good. Give my thoughts on that as well, but we'll get it all started with our opening tip where we're going to take a look at the week that was in Major League Baseball. I'll set up the stakes of the playoff picture here right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. Here we go. All right, opening tip time. Talking MLB playoffs, and I have to say, the last week of the regular season was so much fun. Even though my Mets were out of it, the fact you got to Sunday here, and you still had the NL West up for grabs between the Giants and the Dodgers, potentially 106, 107 win team going to the wild card game is ridiculous. Both wild card spots in the American League were up for grabs. It was for a couple of game 163s, maybe a game 164 if we got the three-way tie. But we had everything handled pretty easily, which was a little unfortunate. There was a ton of drama, though. We got some late nights in the Mariners making dramatic comebacks against the Angels, with the Yankees losing, with the Blue Jays surging, the Red Sox stumbling. All of this drama, this is exactly why we do not need the expanded postseason. Remember, the new playoff format here we're talking about in the future is probably going to be in the next CBA unless we don't like it because they have the TV contracts already signed and they're going to be not going to pass up a lot of money ESPN will give them for these wild card series here. The fact is that you have seven teams in the American League, 190 games. All that would have been in before Sunday. So there would have been no drama whatsoever here with the Mariners and the Blue Jays. They would have been in. The Yankees would have been in. The Red Sox would have been in. We don't have anything to worry about. You know, the National League side... You add two more playoff teams. You're adding the Phillies, who won 83 games. I have to double-check that real quick because they were not very impressive down the stretch here. And this NLE stunk, so you want a second team out of there. You're getting an 83-win Philly, 82-win Philly team, excuse me. They were not that good. And a 83-win red team. I'm sorry, I don't need to see either of those guys in the postseason. I really don't. The setup here now, we have the AL wildcard game. Yankees, Red Sox, back in Fenway. The scene of last weekend's crime where the Yankees swept the Red Sox and Fenway really set them all straight on their surge towards the finish here. Uh, Garrett Cole, Nate Evaldi, the pitching match. Probably the best pitcher for both teams in the situation. The Red Sox were shaky, as I mentioned. They dropped two or three of the Orioles before bouncing back with a sweep against the Nationals. You wonder somewhere in the back of their head if they go back to last weekend or they go back to... August in Yankee Stadium. They've lost six straight to the Yankees. You wonder if that's in their heads a little bit. 
the winner of that game gets the race. Or it'd be very difficult on either team because Tampa's just a far better team. And you may look at the analytics a little funny sometimes and say, I wonder why they're doing this. But you can't question the results in the regular season. This team won 100 games. This team did a lot of great things. They find pitchers off of trees. They find guys off the scrap heap, turn them into useful players. They're going to be tougher on the Yankees, though, I think, because the Yankees have to burn Garrett Cole just to get to that series. And Garrett Cole can only pitch in game three, assuming they win the wildcard game. Which means you have to rely on some combination of Jordan Montgomery, Corey Kluber, Nestor Cortez to get you through the race. It's going to be very, very hard to do. The other AL series, White Sox-Astros, I think it's going to be a lot of fun because the White Sox have been the youth team, the team I picked to get to the World Series this year, the White Sox. They have a lot of fun young pieces. They were not pushed in the American League Central. They never had a challenge from anybody. Now they get a battle test against probably the most rugged team in the play- AL playoff field, the Houston Astros, who are in a bit of a last stand situation here because Carlos Correa is be a free agent. Zach Greinke be a free agent after the season. There's going to be some shakeups here in Houston. So there's going to be a little last stand here for Houston against the White Sox. going to make their first big run. That'll be fun. National League side, we got the wild card matchup with the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Cardinals got themselves in on the strength of 17-game winning streak, lapped the entire NL wild card field aside from the Los Angeles. But I'm more interested in how the Dodgers do in this spot. This team won 106 regular season games. The second best record in baseball. They're in a one game playoff because the team with the best record in baseball was in their division. They have Max Scherzer starting this game, which is good because obviously he's got a reputation of delivering in big spots. But they are dealing with the highest team in the league in the Cardinals. And would you want to play St. Louis, who is as motivated as anybody? They have a good postseason better of their own Adam Wainwright on the mound. Win or go home. That game is terrifying for the Dodgers. It was the Reds, the Phillies that say, okay, it's a wrap. It's going to be 7-2 Dodgers. We're going to be go on our way. This game's going to be a lot of fun. Winner here gets the Giants. We have the best record in baseball. They won 107 games. I want to see how this group does in the postseason because they sort of built the opposite of what most teams in the league do these days. They have built a core of 30-something guys who have all had career years. They pitch pretty well. They hit a lot of home runs. But... You wonder, is this a good regular season team or is it a team that can match up with the teams like the Dodgers or the Brewers have these elite pitchers in the postseason? You're looking at the Giants, looking at Kevin Gaussman, Anthony DiSclefani, guys like that. They don't scare you. Their numbers are good, but you want to see how they perform under the bright lights October. The other NL series, Brewers-Braves, I think is probably the most ho-hum in the bunch. Atlanta took advantage of a very bad division to get in. Milwaukee has a ton of pitching. I know Devin Williams punched the wall, broke his hand, and he's out for a while. But the amount of pitching the Brewers have, I think it's going to be enough to push them over the top in the series. A little quick overview of what's going on here on the landscape on Monday morning here. But we'll talk more baseball with Anthony McCarron right after this clip from Yes Network's Michael Kay talking about Aaron Judge's walk-off infield single to send the Yankees to the postseason. 2-2. Line drive. walk off into the postseason. All right, we are back here talking MLB playoffs today on the Just End the Suffering podcast. Joining me today, 
somebody I've talked to quite a bit over the last couple of years. He covers baseball for SNY. Used to work for the New York Daily News. Anthony McCarron is back here. Anthony, how are you? I'm good, Mike. How you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for coming back on. I have to say, I've been in the baseball mood, even though my Mets have been eliminated for a while here. But the last week, the regular season was so much fun with all the drama, all the late nights in Seattle and Toronto and the Bronx. There's a lot of crazies going on here. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. And it, it, it you know, it gives you a, an idea of what the sport can be at its very best. And, and in the frantic last few days of the season, we got to we got a real treat. I mean, I was intrigued by the Mariners. It's been so long since they've been in the playoffs. And to make that run uh, at it was was just really great theater. Uh, too bad they came up short. It would have been great if we could have had maximum chaos uh, evolve out of Sunday, but it just, it didn't work out that way. And, and, you know, we have a great matchup with Yanks Red Sox, but I would have liked a little bit more. It's disappointing also to not have the Toronto Blue Jays, maybe, you know, I mean, at least one of the top three or four most exciting teams in baseball, right. To not have all those young hitters, uh, with a playoff series to chew on, or at least a playoff game. That's kind of a bummer too. Um, you know, but I think I, I got a feeling that they're going to have their chance coming up in the next few seasons. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. And I don't get me wrong with you. Not having Toronto is not as fun as I think they would give the Yankees a much different, more difficult fight than Boston will. But at the same time, like all the drama we got this week, all the drama we got for 162, I think for me, I know that you and I probably in, in agreement on this and the powers of be won't listen to us. I'd rather take Toronto missing the playoffs this year than having all, all those teams in already in a 17 playoff and having absolutely no drama down the stretch here. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, you know, there's a, there, you create all kinds of problems when you keep expanding and keep expanding and keep expanding. And then, you know, after 20 years, you point to the one time that the, you know, the eight seed beat the one seed or whatever it is. And you had a, a thrilling upset like that as, as the reason for doing it. Eh, I mean, that's a kind of a shrug. I mean, you play all those games during the season, you know, to sort of set some order for when it really, really counts. Right. So if you keep letting more and more teams in, uh, you know, I don't know how much drama it ratchets it up, but I, I think it just jacks up, a, a you know, a playoff TV contract that you can get in the future. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily make mean that the playoffs are any better for fans. Yes, I mean, especially this year is the exception because, yes, you have two 90-win teams making the AL. You go to the NL side, you have like an 83-win Philly team, an 83-win Red team in here. And I don't think I'm going to see either of those teams playing in October. Right. And, you know, there, I mean, a lot's been made about the the, the Dodgers, you know, having to – risk being in a one game playoff. Well, I mean that, you know, the alternative and it's happened before, you know, yeah, they won a hundred and whatever games, uh, you know, but it's happened to the other teams in the past where they didn't get to the playoffs at all. You know, I mean, I, I'm thinking of, I think 1954 when the Indians won 111 games and I think the Yankees won 103 and all they had to show for it was an early ticket home. Uh, you know, like these things happen for a reason. And, you know, you can always say to the teams that are disappointed, play better. And, you know, the Dodgers still have a chance to do something great. I mean, four teams in the AL East with 90 plus wins, two of them didn't make it, you know, I mean, you know, play better. They had an opportunity to do it, uh, you know, but they didn't get it done. That's what the, you know, to me, I come back to 162 games. It's a long season. You know, how many times do we hear that cliche out of players and managers mouths? You know, it's not a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Well, okay. Then, you know, get it done during the marathon. Yeah, for sure. I guess talk about those eight 1980s Mets too, because if they had the wild card, they would have made the playoffs about six straight years from eighty four to eighty nine. Right, and yeah. but their legacy is is such that they won once when they should have probably won three or four times. Yeah, and go a team are not trying to make their own legs right now is the Yankees, and obviously they're in the wild card matchup here with the Red Sox, and this thing has been very much 
Yankees one-sided the last couple of months. I mean, going back to us, they won six straight against the Red Sox here and in the and Boston. So, what do you think about that in terms of like leading into the series? I think this is sort of going to be in the Red Sox. I like, oh boy, the Yankees have our number of late. It's a great question because we've seen it happen in both ways, right? Uh, during the, during the playoffs, one game, I don't know if it'll impact it, uh, you know, as much as say the starting pitchers or you know that kind of thing. Um, but you know, like I, I think the the feeling about the Yankees, at least externally, changed when they swept the Red Sox at Fenway in September and really sort of cemented like, yeah, you know, they can do it. They can be in the wild card. They, I thought that was meaningful. Obviously it was uh, meaningful because they got the three wins, but I thought it was more meaningful um, at least externally, you know, for fans, media, all that sort of stuff uh, with confidence in that team. I, I don't know if it's going to have any play over, you know, I, I mean, if Garrett Cole, you know, goes out to the mound and gives up two rockets, you know, for home runs in the first inning, I mean, any of that stuff is gone. Um, you know, we've seen teams, you know, you mentioned the eighties Mets before, I mean, didn't they beat the Dodgers in 88, something like 10 out of 11 times. And then of course they lost the NLCS to them. It goes, I think it goes either way. And I think it's a nice narrative, you know, whether, you know, when something happens, but ultimately, you know, I mean, the Red Sox did what they had to do. The Yankees did what they had to do. And now they have one shot at each other. Yeah, they do. And you mentioned that pitching match here. I think it's very interesting because obviously you have Garrett Cole, who's trying to make his own Yankee legacy here. And, and he's had some rough moments down the stretch here against Native Vols. Probably the best option the Red Sox have available to them. But it's a much different life than he's facing because he used to mow down the righties early season. Now the Yankees have more lefties and I think they might have four in the wild card game here. So what do you think about this pitching matchup? Well, I think it is the best one that was available for, for sure. And I, I love the heightened drama with Cole because, you know, Look, the narrative on the Yankees for years was, you know, uh, they can hit home runs, but, you know, they don't have that number one pitcher. They don't have that ace to trot out in a playoff. So who's starting game one? Well, I mean, now they've got the most expensive pitcher in history and he's starting a do or die game. So that in itself is a, is a wonderful thing to have happen. Obviously, Cole has struggled lately. He's got some sort of a hamstring issue. Um, it's great that the Yankees, the Yankees look really smart now for not starting him Sunday on short rest when they could have been trying to avoid a play-in game. Ultimately, they didn't need to, obviously. But uh, And now they're going to have him when he'll have extra rest. Maybe that'll help the hamstring. Maybe he'll be back to dominant Garrett Cole. But it's fascinating stuff to see, uh, you know, and, and Evaldi, you know, he pitched great against the Yankees early this season, as, as you were talking about there. And then, of course, they lit him up in, in Fenway the last time that he faced them. Uh, so, look, he's a former Yankee too. throw that on the on the on the Barbie, as they say, and, and uh, mix that in. And, uh, you know, I always I've always liked him as a pitcher. He's a very good pitcher. Uh, he's incredible at controlling walks. Uh, I think he uh, I think he led baseball. Um, in uh, fewest walks per nine innings this year. I mean, that's good stuff. Uh, so it's 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 a nice pitching matchup. Everybody goes to the bullpen so quickly these days. So, you know, are these guys going to get us five innings and and and, and a, get it in a close game and then turn it over the bullpens? Probably so. And, and we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, I think for me, I think the key for the Yankees, the one win this because obviously besides the the get a great effort out of Coles is getting that Red Sox bullpen as early as possible. You've seen that's been the sort of the weak point for them because I think they can outslug the Red Sox. It comes down to that. Yeah. And I mean, the Yankees have an enormous, to me, bullpen advantage uh, as crazy as the Yankee bullpen season has been this year, uh, you know, with Chad Green giving up home runs and Aroldis Chapman being 
unhittable for a long stretch early this season and then looking like he had no idea what he was doing for a while with confidence in absolutely none of his pitches to kind of better now and all this stuff. You know, they remade the bullpen a little bit on the fly, you know, with some acquisitions. You know, Clay Holmes, uh, I think he's holding hitters to like a 485 OPS since they acquired him. Um, you know, they've, they've really made some nice moves at the pen and it's really been a strength for them, even with guys like Zach Britton going out. Um, you know, I really think that's where this game might come down to, too, is if the Yankees bullpen can keep that hot Red Sox lineup down. And, and, the, and as you say, the Yankees can exploit the Red Sox bullpen a little bit. It's been a, it's been a, a fascinating year for Yankee relief pitching, um, but it's been one of the huge reasons why they're where they are. Oh, absolutely. And let's be optimistic here. Let's say they win this game and they get to the ALDS. They take on Tampa Bay again. And Tampa's had their number for a couple of years now. So what do you think the outlook is here for the Yankees? They have to get to Tampa. Keep in mind, they can only use probably Cole once in this series in game three. Right. Well, I love the fact that that, that if they win, they'll be facing the Rays because I love Yankees Rays as a rivalry, as, as you know, I don't want to overuse the word, but theater, uh, because it really is great because there really is some genuine animosity. I feel like anyway, just watching from afar, you know, there've been some things there've been, there've been some temper flares. There's been some anger, all that stuff, you know, you mix it into this soup of a playoff series if it happens. And that's uh, you know, that's going to be good stuff. Um, I, I only give the Yankees a chance in this, in that series, if it comes to that, because of the, the butting heads and because of the rivalry factor uh, of the, of their, the way they go at, at it with the Rays, because I think the Rays are just a better team. And I think they do have the Yankees number. I think that, you know, they always catch the ball. They always find a way to win. And I think we've seen the Yankees make some mistakes um, you know, at one point this year, they were an incredibly awful base running team. They've had some fielding issues, you know, I mean, hopefully they fixed that a lot by moving Glaber Torres off shortstop, but, um, you know, they've got some issues behind the plate with defense. I just think the Rays are a better club. They play better baseball than the Yankees. The Yankees have to have stuff go right to win. And I think the Rays just have to play their game and they're in every game. Yeah, the Rays do frustrate me at times because at times they stick to the analytics so hard and they make decisions to make you scratch your head, but you also can't argue the results when they basically feel they can just grab two guys out of the stands, throw jerseys down, they'll throw 99 for them. Right, yeah. right. And it's right. Don't ever trade them a relief pitcher. Don't ever, uh, you know, let them, when they come to you with a trade offer, run, run, <laughs> run, you know, and then start using your, the guy they wanted from you in a different kind of way because there's some secret sauce in there that they, that the Rays have figured out, and now it's on you to figure out. Yeah, Matt fans who know this, just look at what Michael Waka did for them yesterday. Look at compared to what he did here last year. I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Right? I mean, he, you know, look, he. I mean, not that he was, not that he had a phenomenal year, but I mean, he was serviceable, usable, and and he he was not that with the Mets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to go flip side here. For assuming they lose this game here, they did have the up and down year. Yankees do make the playoffs after all the drama they had. And is this enough, do you think, to save Aaron Boone's job? Do you think they need to go further in the postseason to keep him around? No, I think he keeps his job now. Um, and I think he should, to be quite honest with you. Look, I'm not a big believer in, oh, we didn't win the World Series, fire the manager. Someone has to pay. I think that's a silly outlook. Um, I think that's like a, uh, that's generated by uh, over, that's like overheated debate kind of talk 
that really has no place in, in running a, a successful baseball operation. I mean, if you think that the manager is losing touch with the players, um, you know, or, or can't reach the players, that's a different story than, you know, oh, I didn't like that bullpen move, so he needs to be fired. I mean, that's to me is, 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 is nonsense. Um, look, I think Boone does a really good job. I think we can look at a lot of player underperformance on this team as to a, re- as to a reason why they didn't do better and maybe win the division. Plus the Rays are really good, obviously, as we've discussed, I don't think Aaron Boone is the problem here. Um, You know, if if there indeed is a problem, I mean, they're in the playoffs. That's what you, that's what you aspire to do at the start of a season is get to the playoffs. It may not be the, you know, the most advantageous spot, but they, they have the chance to make their own destiny still. And there's a lot of teams that are on boarding flights to go home right now who would like to be in that spot. Aaron Boone, to me, is not the issue. Um, you know, I think he sticks around, and I think he should. Yeah, it makes some sense to me. I can see the logic there. And I want to look at some of the other series here. I think, quickly on each of them, White Sox-Astro, I think it's fascinating here to get the youth of Chicago and sort of the last stand of the Astros. What are you looking forward to in that series? Well, the White Sox have a great young core, obviously, as, as you said, and they're really fun to watch, um, and they've got an incredible load of talent there. That said, I'm kind of into the Astros revenge tour type thing where they're, you know, like, well, yeah, maybe, you know, 2017 isn't, you know, what what we would like it to be pristine and everything, but we're still pretty good and we're going to prove it. All right, bring it on. You know, I mean, they could they could have an incredible uh, run in the playoffs. They're really, really talented. And um, I, I think if they're going against some of the, you know, I mean, what if they make the World Series and they play the Dodgers in the World Series? Wow. What if they make the ALCS and they play the Yankees in the ALCS? I mean, oh my. So I'm kind of interested to see how they make out. And and, and that could be fun because they're, they're a great AL villain. Yeah, they definitely are the AL villain. The, I think the AL villain is probably the Dodgers still because they just are the bully now that the Yankees were in terms of like spending their money at will. And they're now in this spot, fascinating spot. They're in the one-game playoff. They have Scherzer for it against the Cardinals, who are the hottest team in the league, and they won 17 straight days to get into the playoffs and run by the field here. I think if I was a Dodger fan, if it was anybody but the Cardinals, I would be feeling very great. But the fact that the Cardinals are so hot and they had this sort of like voodoo magic, they managed to just turn a mediocre team to a red-hot juggernaut, I'd be like terrified of that game. Yeah, I, I, I am too, uh, for the Dodgers' sake, um, you know, but at the same time, the Dodgers are so loaded and they have so much talent. Uh, you know, the Max Muncy injury is a bad break for them right at the end of the end of the season there in the last day, uh, you know, keep him out of that game would be it's that's too bad. And it, you hate to see it, uh, but they still have they have so much talent. And really, I mean, for the sake of the playoffs and for the sake of all of our viewing enjoyment, uh, I hope they win that game so we can get the you know, the the true best teams in the National League uh, competing going forward. I admire what the Cardinals did. They did what they have to do. And that's always something to be praised, uh, you know, but they're not nearly as entertaining as the as the Dodgers, as a defending champion. And, uh, you know, I, go L.A. is what I say to that series or that game. Yeah, if they do win that game, they get a fun match with the Giants. The Giants are this team that all year you're sitting there watching like, okay, when's the wheel gonna, when's the uh, wheels going to fall off the wagon here? When are they going to fall back to earth? And they just never did. They won 107 games in sort of like the most ridiculous way possible with all these like 32-year-old vets going against the traditional wisdom of baseball. It's, oh, get younger, get younger. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how they do in the postseason. 
Absolutely. They've had such an amazing year. And you're right. I think the entire baseball world was waiting for them to just go away and have, and have the Dodgers just roll over them. And if you look at the second half that the Dodgers had, which I, I think, I don't know this for certain, but I think I read somewhere that it was the best in Dodgers history and they couldn't catch the Giants, which is just, it's incredible to think what they've done this year. You know, they made a nice move at the, at the deadline, getting Chris Bryant. They've pitched all year um, and they've, they've hit a ton of home runs. And you're right. I mean, they've done it in a kind of a they've pitched backwards in terms of team building. Right. Because they they have not relied on the on the 22 year olds the way everybody else is now and getting guys to the majors, uh, you know, and using their their athleticism and youth. They've got all these guys who you would say like, okay, you know, they filled that hole that way. All right. It could work, but it all worked. And now they've, you know, they won 107 games and um, I can't wait to see what they do in October uh, for real. Now it would be a disappointment if they went out in the division series, to be quite honest, a crushing one. Yeah. And the other series, like by the least compelling of the bunch here is the Braves Brewers. Cause I don't really, I think Atlanta was at the proc of that soft division. And the fact that like nobody in it could get, compete, the Brewers lost the reliever, which stinks because he, he never learned the lesson that the whole, the wall always wins. And he punched the wall. But the other hand, they have so much starry pitching. I don't see how the Brewers don't get through that series. Yeah, I don't either. They they should they should uh, they should get through it easily. And this, you know, this kind of look when you look at this at at these playoffs, kind of from you know the the up top view, and you see like you know Dodgers Giants, and you think about you know the Yankees and the Red Sox, the Astros lurking and all that stuff. I mean, would it stun anyone if the Brewers pitched their way to the World Series? That's how good they are. Um, you know, it, it'll be fun to see uh, if they can do it. Um, but they really have amassed some talent there. And it's it's been a great uh, a great run for them. And this kind of, you know, I, I wonder if they're the, you know, we were all thinking Dodgers Giants, Dodgers, Dodgers Giants, who's coming out of the NL for the World Series. And maybe they're like lurking in the corners saying, well, we're going to pitch our way to it. Yeah, I know this is crazy because obviously we are recording on Monday for the Wild Card season to start. But looking at this field right now, look how these teams are playing. You have to make a pick for who reaches the World Series from each league. Who would you go with today? Well, before I, I looked this up before I came on with you, Mike, before the season, I picked Dodgers and Yankees uh, with the Dodgers beating the Yankees in the World Series. And that's still alive. Yay. Finally, one of my World Series predictions uh, is not uh, void after uh, the end of the of game 162. Um, but I'm not going to go there this time. Um, I, I think that the Rays get there out of the American League. Um, I, I really do. And I'm, you know, just into sort of. We didn't get chaos after game 162. Chaos lost. But I think chaos might win in the playoffs. And maybe the Brewers, and we get a little Brewers-Rays action. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun for the baseball fan. I feel like the league itself would not be thrilled with the tap of the TV ratings. No, no, no. <laughs> they're, I'm sure they're actively rooting against it. Are you yeah. kidding? Yeah, I mean, they're sitting there holding their Dodger-Yankee-Yankee-Red Sox, like Dodger-Red Sox pom-poms, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think my preseason pick was Mets, White Sox. So I was way off on the Mets, but so the White Sox could still get there. I had the Mets going to the NLCS, which yeah. was obviously not did not happen and has long since been uh, been put to bed. But uh, yeah, I was over optimistic on the Mets this year, as I think everybody on the planet was. Yeah, and the Mets right now, I mean, we're recording. They have not made a decision on Louis Ross's f- future yet, but from all indications, it sounds like they're going to let him go here. Do you think that's the right decision? 
I'm not convinced that it's the right the right decision, Mike. And and I mean, part of you know, see my answer about Aaron Boone for some of the reasons why I you know I feel like he gets blamed. Rojas got blamed a lot by fans, and we're we're privy to all this now because of social media, where everybody's you know Monday morning quarterbacking every single bullpen move, and you know we we don't have all the information that he does so you know, in fairness to every manager out there, like we don't know exactly why it happened. Sometimes they tell us the reasons. Sometimes they don't tell us the reasons why each move was made. I feel like, you know, people get blamed, managers get blamed when, when relievers fail. And that's, they're not always, there's not always a correlation there. Um, you know, that the stupid manager picked the reliever and the reliever blew the game. So the manager's a moron. That's not really what happened. And I, I'm not sure that that's it with Louis Rojas uh, either. Um, I will say that I think he's a smart guy who has a nice future as a manager. Uh, I would be disappointed in the Mets if they fire him and then hire a clone of him, which that would just be spinning their wheels again. Um, Now, I will say that it does not reflect well on Rojas that a talented team got a big piece, Javi Baez, at the deadline and then sputtered the rest of the way. Um, You know, part of that is I I don't think and I don't know if any manager could have done this, but when they lost Jacob deGrom, I think that took all the stomach out of them. I think they knew that he wasn't. I think the players players always know. Right. I think the players knew that the idea of him, of DeGrom ever coming back was such a long shot that they were going to be without this incredible weapon the entire year. And I think it really hurt the team, Um, not just missing his performance, but missing the idea of his performance, the sort of security of his performance and his excellence. I don't know if any manager could have guided a team through that. That said, you know, the Mets did not fare well, obviously, late in the season. Some of that reflects poorly on Rojas, and I wonder if that's going to be part of the hammer that they use if or when they fire him. Yeah, I think in terms of Rojas, I think it's a little different in the sense that they are basically looking to reboot the whole thing. It's hard to tell a president-based operations coming here saying, oh, you have to keep the manager. So I could see them saying, okay, we're giving you a free, clean slate here. But I also agree with your point here. I don't want to see them try and get somebody else's Luis Rojas to be the new manager if they do right. that. It's like... Can you go get somebody like a Buck Showalter or like if Dusty Baker does get his contract with you with the Astros, bring him in here. Some Go a veteran manager. Do something different here. Not just try and duplicate the form of somebody else's Rojas. Right. And that's a, that's a real danger here because, you know, there have been a lot of teams that have hired managers that way. You know, young guys who will implement the organization's philosophy. And, you know, I, I, you're right. I mean, I get that you, you if you're going to hire a, a president to baseball operations or whatever newfangled corporate nonsense word they want to due to the guy who's running baseball, um, then you want to give him the chance to implement his entire vision and hire his guy. I, you know, I get it, but if he comes in and hires, you know, somebody who's almost a carbon copy of a guy who look has a ton of, you know, Rojas for his, in his favor has a ton of institutional knowledge managed most of the guys on the roster now in the minor leagues. So knows them deeply in a way that Buck Showalter, it will be difficult for somebody like him. And I don't mean to single out Buck, who's an excellent manager, but any other manager coming in will have to do some catching up in terms of that kind of knowledge, Uh, you know, and would it surprise you? And I think Ron Darling said this recently, I saw online somewhere that, you know, if Rojas is a Terry Francona and goes somewhere else and is a brilliant manager, would it stun you if that happened? It would not stun me. Yeah, I also wonder, too, I think about the last year and Steve Cohen came on as a press conference here and said, I don't want people learning on my dime when it comes to that. So you wonder if 
maybe even with the president coming here, maybe Cohen puts his finger on the scale and says, can we get an experienced manager in here and not just rely on some random guy who's going to be learning on the job? Right. And, 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 you know, to be fair to Rojas, he's already learned on, on Steve Cohen's dime this year, uh, you know, so we've, he's got that in the bank already. Um, so the learning will be, you know, you would think less in coming years for him. Uh, you know, I just think he's handled everything in a crazy two years very well. Uh, he's been a good face of that franchise, I think, a face of that clubhouse anyway. Um, in, in it, and they've had some turmoil, obviously, in terms of the, the front office and, and, and all the stuff that's gone on there. And Rojas has been sort of beyond reproach. Uh, that should count for something, too. Yeah, this is my last question here, because obviously we know there's going to be some ter- turmoil here, whether it's the manager getting changed, there's going to be a new president of baseball operations, the front office going to get restructured here. Like, how much do you think the on-field progress is going to get shaken up here? I think what we've seen in 19, 20, and 21 is that, that this core as constructed is not good enough to make a deep run in regular season, let alone the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of new faces here next year. Um, in, in some cases, that's probably a good thing. In some cases, I, you know, I, I certainly hope that they would consider re-signing Marcus Stroman, who I think is an underrated pitcher. And because he doesn't throw 103 miles an hour, isn't thought of as being as good as he is. Um, I, you know, I think that they, I think Javi Baez is somebody they should consider re-signing just because he's so different than the players that are on the roster and the player, like the, the seemingly ideal MLB player now, pay, you know, patience, you know, working at bats. And this guy is a freewheeling, free swinger, aggressive. I think he's got a toughness that the Mets lack uh, roster wide that he brings to a team. I think they should re-sign him too. I know I'm spending a lot of Steve Cohen's money already here. And I've talked about two players, but they have the money now and they need a lot of, a lot of work beyond keeping their own guys. The one area that I'm, I'm wondering about is the kind of Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith, J.D. Davis uh, sort of group there. They're all cheap, you know, in terms of where they are in their career and how much it costs to retain them. Is it smarter for them to sell low on those guys or keep two of them or, or all three of them around and hope for the bounce back and that you, you know, that you can believe what you've seen in the past from them and not just from 2021 you know, and then spend in other ways. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do. Uh, bringing back to me, bringing back Syndergaard, even if it takes the, the whole qualifying offer is a no brainer uh, because that's elite performance. And he seems like he's recovered now. Um, you know, I don't, there's no one year, $5 million, Noah, Noah pillow contract that you can get him on, or should you get him on? Um, you know, he deserves more than that. I, I think they should bring him back. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff out there, man. This is this is going to be wild, and this is going to be very, very different. And, you know, they, they probably could use that kind of shakeup. Yeah, I think they could, too. Anthony, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, can you follow social media you keep up with your coverage for SNY? Oh, social media. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Anthony McCarron. Um, I, I, that's where I put my, my stuff up there. So, so check me out there. <laughs> there's other assorted nonsense, too, that you might want to blip over. But uh but that's where I put my baseball stuff. Yeah, we sure keep an eye on the SNY too. I'm sure you'll be popping up on base on that New York throughout the postseason, Anthony. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. You bet, Mike. Anytime. Thanks for having me. The two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill time on Victory Monday for the Jets. Something we haven't done much in recent years, especially in the early part of the season. For a while on Sunday, it's looking to be the same old Jets. 
They were not doing much on offense. Zach Wilson threw an interception. Corey Davis dropping passes. The defense playing great, but the offense could not move the ball. And it was getting ugly here. The crazy thing about the NFL sometimes, though, is that, especially for young players, it can just click in a matter of moments. And all of a sudden, they see the field. Everything slows down like you're in the Matrix. That's kind of what happened in Zach Wilson's second half. He lit the Titans up in that second half. On the whole game, going 21-34, 297 yards, two touchdowns, just the one pick. But there was a different guy in the second half of this game. More confident guy. The guy the Jets were drafting with the second overall pick. The one who made them go, wow, this guy can be special. He made some really special plays. He dropped some bombs to Keelan Cole, putting balls in places that Jet quarterbacks don't throw footballs. The touchdown to Keelan Cole off the play action. I thought, first of all, a great play call by Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, after the Jets get the ball back around midfield. And you're sitting there going, boy, you have all the momentum here. Go for the kill. They call play action. Zach Wilson recognized the play, sees that the Titans had nobody deep, and he's basically pointing at Corey Davis going, go deep, go deep, I got you. Drops the bomb, 53-yard touchdown. Jets end up winning the game in overtime. All the t- Some darts to Jameson Crowder. This offense was electric in the second half. He flashed some arm talent. He flashed some elite passing ability that can make him a potential superstar here. It's just one game. But remember, this franchise has not done a lot early season. They've gone just 1-18 in September, October, prior to yesterday. That little taste enough to get the fans very, very excited here. And we've seen flashes before. Sam Darnold gave us flashes. Geo Smith gave us flashes. Mark Sanchez gave us flashes. But we need to see this done consistently. You want to see now how Wilson builds in this week five. The Jets are heading across the pond here, take on an Atlanta team that has been Diced up through the air all year long. Taylor Heineke torched them through the air yesterday. Threw for three touchdowns, 290 yards as Washington won the game. Jalen Hurts lit them up. This is a spot here where they're taking on a beatable Falcons team. It's a good result here. If you were Jets, you don't want to go over to London Lane Egg. Bill on this one. This is a game you can win. This is a game I circled in the count. I said that could be where the Jets win their first game, going overseas to London and take on the, Dol- the Falcons here. Go win this game. Go ahead to the bye two and three. Have two weeks to get ready for the New England defense again. See how Zach Wilson does the second time seeing it. You have a chance here to make a little mini run here. No one's expecting a lot here, but go win this game. There's no reason the Jets can't win this game. And with that, I'm going to wrap up the first show of the week. I want to thank Anthony McCann from SNY for hopping on the line to... Do a little MLB playoff preview. A lot of good stuff there. Ron Morgan stuff like this podcast. We're going to look at a potential Yankee postseason roster. I admit, a little out of date because Luke Voigt got hurt. G.J. LeMay, you got hurt. But Angel Velasquez will be there. Maybe you're carrying an extra outfielder. Different pitcher on the mix. Check out the blog over at You'll Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon. Simply search for Just End the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms. You can find all episodes there. Feel free your feedback and starring as well. We help with the podcast either going forward. You check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. My chat with Anthony will be up on the YouTube channel. If you want to check it out, it is there. Also, follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. And that's going to do it for the first show of the week. We have some more stuff coming up later in the week. We're going to do some NFL picks. We'll react to the wild card game to the Yankees and the Rays. 
Yankees, Red Sox, essentially for you, the Rays, to get there, and more. Until then, we have a better week than Blue Jays fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.